Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. So, have you all moved on? Have you noticed? Like, the Christmas carols are playing on the radio, the decorations for anything turkey-related is already gone from all the stores. It's already everything Christmas. But we're going to, to we're gonna drag our heels a little bit because today we're going to talk about thankfulness. We're going to talk about thanksgiving nonetheless. It's interesting. Um, thanksgiving, I was surprised to learn the first Thanksgiving was 401 years ago. It was in uh, 1621 when the pilgrims actually uh, practiced Thanksgiving with the Native Americans that were there. Um, it's been only 232 years since we made it an official holiday. And um, it is, when I was growing up, like my family did Thanksgiving kind of bigger than Christmas. Like we would often f- travel out of state to go see family. And, and it's, a, it's a great time, but it's an important thing to consider Thanksgiving and how we can be uh, giving thanks. And I'm going to look today at four ways. The first is by singing. And I was loving what a powerful worship time we had today, how Pastor Adrian was talking about the, the singing and making a joyful noise that wasn't coordinated between the two of us, but it was coordinated, I believe, by the Holy Spirit. Psalms 147.7 says this, Sing out your thanks to him. Sing praises to our God accompanied by harps. Thanksgiving is to be expressed one of the ways, through singing. I'm going to read in Psalms 100, 1 through 6. It says, shout, shout with joy to the Lord, O earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him And bless his name, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. When we come to church, it's not just about learning something. It's not just about seeing someone. We've talked about the power of of fellowship recently and, and how there is value there. But the Bible says that we are here to offer thanksgiving to the Lord. When we sing, one of the things we're doing is we're singing to the Lord. Psalms 100 verse 1 is the verse that he mentioned that says, make a joyful noise. Some of you might say, but I don't really have a good singing voice. Guess what? It's not a prerequisite. It's not. You don't have to be on key. All right, here comes a dad joke. Did you hear about the guy in prison who couldn't sing because he was always behind a few bars? (laughs) They asked him about it and he said, I just can't get the right key. So anyway... It's not required that you sing 
good vocals. The Bible says make a joyful noise. The Bible, pigs can make joyful noises. They're never on key. You know, like every animal can make joyful noise. The Bible says that even the rocks would cry out. God is not concerned with which key you're in. He's concerned with what you are expressing. Now, the Bible says, this, this, this intrigued me. I came across this recently and I was, I was intrigued. Matthew 26, we have Jesus at the Last Supper. And he gets together with his disciples and he walks through and they take communion together. The very next verse, verse 30 says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Matthew and Mark both record that before they left the Last Supper and right before they went to the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was spent the night praying and then in the morning was betrayed by Judas and, and was captured and brought to be crucified. So this is the context. They sang together. Now, I saw that before, but what I didn't realize is we know with reasonable certainty what they sang. Now, Mark and Matthew just say they sang a hymn. But it was the Passover supper and the Jewish tradition. Now, if you aren't familiar with this yet, the, Jewish, the Jews have very regular traditions. They do the same thing over and over again. They sing the same psalms over and over again. Guess what psalms they sing at the Passover dinner? Psalms 113 through Psalms 118. It's the end of what they call the halal. And I want to read, we're not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read Psalms 118 to you. And I want you to consider that Jesus and his disciples sang these words right before he was betrayed, taken, tortured, and crucified. And died and rose from the dead. Are you ready? Psalms 118, 21. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. It is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God. And when he, and he has made his light shine on us with boughs in his hand, join in the festival or festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God. I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, his love endures forever. Jesus himself sang a song of thanks right before he was captured. Now, we know 
that this weighed heavy on him because the Bible says that just a few minutes later when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed, that the Bible says that, that he asked, he said, Lord, if there's another way, take it, but not my will be done, yours. Jesus knew what was coming. The disciples may not have fully understood. They had been told in, in, in symbolic different ways. They didn't know exactly what was coming. Jesus knew. The Bible says there was, that, that he sweated blood. Scientifically, they tells us if you're under enough stress, the capillaries near your sweat glands can burst and you can sweat blood. I've met like one person who had that experienced that before. Jesus understood the gravity of what was coming. And guess what he did right before? I will give thanks for you answered me. That's what he's saying. We often get the idea that I can only give thanks when everything is just right. I'm waiting for everything to be perfect and then I'll be thankful. Jesus gave thanks on the eve of the most difficult day of his entire life. He is our example. He focused on what he knew God would do. We need thanksgiving. We need to come to church, not just to learn something, but to have an emotional connection with God to thank him and to worship him. How many of you appreciated our, our time of worship this morning? Praise God for that. That is one of the reasons we come. Those of you online, we are so glad you were online. Thank you for coming. But you missed a little something. There is such value in that. And I hope that you engaged. I pray that you did. Right through the screen. Worship can affect us in ways that sermons never will. It's not just information, but it's expression. Thanksgiving. Worship. It is a spiritual thing. We, we talked, I think it was either last week or the week before, so I won't repeat myself, but we talked about how we know scripturally that music carries a spiritual influence within it, a spirit that is provided by the person who sings or plays. It is powerful. And I encourage you, when we give thanks, do so. When you, when you are here singing, when you are at home singing, when you are in your car singing, when you're in your shower singing, wherever it is that you sing, make it a joyful noise and recognize this is an expression of thanks to the Lord. Number two, another way that we express thanksgiving Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7 <coughs> says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through, Jesus Christ, or through Christ Jesus. 
Another way that we express thanksgiving is through prayer. But I want to read that beginning again, and I want you to notice something. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Did you notice that he just said that you could, with thanksgiving, make a request? Like, a lot of times we have this idea that thanksgiving and requests are kind of like opposites. Either I'm saying thank you for something or I'm asking for something, but, you know, I I thank you for what I already got or I ask you for what I need. And we kind of see those as somehow mutually exclusive. Either I'm thanking you or I'm asking. But this verse says, with thanksgiving, make your requests. How do you make a request with thanksgiving? So let's just imagine that each of us are parents today, and you have a kid who wants a new phone. Okay? One approach would be, I want a phone. This is the phone I want. I want it. I want it. This is exactly why I want it. This color. I want it this size, and I want it this, you know, this many RAM and this many, right? Just straight up, this is what I want. Another approach would be the same kid comes to you and says, you know, you guys every year make Christmas so special. I have received so many amazing gifts over the years that I boldly say today, I'd like a phone this year. Now, do you see how that was a request made with thanksgiving? He said, you know, I, I am blessed. I am grateful. You have, you have shown yourself generous in the past. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're looking for something to give me this year. You want to know what I'd like? The iPhone 72. <laughs> you know, Whatever. I want this one. That's with thanksgiving. Psalms 105.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord and pray to him. God desires that we are grateful when we pray. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. See, that's that recipe. You can tell God what you need, but also keep in your heart the thankfulness for all that He's done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is new to some of us to to think about what we have along with what we need. 
Because we tend to put them in separate categories. You know what? This is what I need. I'm, going, I'm, I'm not being grateful right now. I'm talking about what I need. And then, you know, we think, well, in order to be grateful, I have to be unaware of anything that I need. I have to be in a place where I, I don't think about it. No, God says, don't worry. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So thankfulness isn't the absence of needing anything. It's the attitude we can combine. We can say, you know what, God? I do have these needs. I do have these concerns. But... I see and recognize and remember and recall what you have already done for me. And I see and recognize what you have done for others. And I know your promise that you don't have favorites, so if you did it for them, you'll do it for me. I love how the New Living Translation says it in this verse. It says, if you do this, you will experience God's peace. If you do what? If instead of worrying, you pray, you do tell God what you need, it's okay to acknowledge what you need, but you also thank him for what he's done. Give thanks is actually one of the most common commands in Scripture. In just the New Testaments, thankfulness comes up 71 times. You can thank him for what he's done. You can thank him for hearing you. Faith is thanking God in advance for what he's done. Tell you what, when when my kids come to me and say, you know what, could you get me one of these? And I say, yes. You know what they do? They say thank you but it's not there yet. I mean, Amazon's gotten fast, but they're not that fast yet. I say yes, and they say thank you. Because they know that their petition has been heard. That's us. When we think, now, the thing is, giving thanks isn't the natural state of things. How many of you have ever witnessed a really young kid being very grateful, saying thank you, politely? What do you think when you see a four-year-old who you hand you know, a can and say, thank you very much, sir? What do you think? You think to yourself, wow, this kid's parents put in some work. Why? Because we recognize. We don't naturally acknowledge. Naturally, just, you know, just the two-year-old. You give them candy, they're like, okay, where's the rest? (laughs) Can I have more? But think about the ten lepers. Jesus healed the ten lepers, and how many of them came back? One. Not the majority, one. But the more thankful we are, the more we empower God to work 
in our lives. Because thankfulness is an expression of faith. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, a lot of people think this verse said, for everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. I want you to notice something. That isn't what it said. If it said, for everything give thanks, for this is the will of God, that would mean absolutely every single thing, good, bad, horrible, all of that, I am to be thankful for it, and it was God's will. But that's not what the verse says. It says, in everything, give thanks. Jesus sang, give thanks to the Lord. He knew he was in a very, very difficult situation. He knew he was going to go through some very difficult, difficult time. He didn't say, thank you for the torture that's coming. No, it's going to be so great. But he was thankful in that time. We can give thanks in a situation. Not for it. We don't have to look at the situation and think that God caused that. We know that, that there's so many different things. We've talked about why do bad things happen to good people. We've had a whole message on that. You can look it up on YouTube. We've talked about how there are results of our choices. There are are evil forces at work. There are different things that are going on that, that happen. But in every situation, we give thanks. Not for every situation, but in every situation. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Psalms 50, verse 14. Give an offering to show thanks to God. Give him what you promised. It's called thanksgiving. (laughs) We don't always think of that. But when we give, that is an expression of thanks. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 says, Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I heard of a bumper sticker. I haven't seen it yet. But it said, If you love Jesus, tithe, anyone can honk. <laughs> Giving isn't just a mathematical equation. And we, we've got to, to recognize that. When, when I give, if I have $100 and I give 10 to God, that isn't just 10 minus, or 100 minus 10, that's it. Giving isn't just math. It is transformative to our thinking and to our, stat, our, our health spiritually. I want to read a verse that to me just 
always stands out big. This is what it says. Ephesians chapter 4, 28. Let him who stole steal no more. Okay? So if thieves, quit stealing. But rather, let him labor. Okay, we're all on board with that. If you used to steal, you should stop stealing. Instead, you should work. Why should you work? Well, you should cover your own needs, right? Working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that is in need. This is what the Bible says. The key to rehabilitating a thief is to empower them to be generous. It doesn't say that, you know what? If they used to steal, pay them enough to cover their own bills. If they get a job and they can pay for their own stuff, they won't want to steal anymore. That's not what it says. It says the person who stole, when they work for something to give, they'll be transformed. Not when they work to pay their own bills. I don't know. In my mind, I used to think of it that way. Like, you know what? Yeah. If they're stealing, well, they just need to, to make enough to cover their own bills. Once they, they get the feeling of what it's like to, to do it all for themselves, they'll be fine. That's self-sufficiency. If they can just feel what it's like to be self-sufficient, they'll be good. No. The Bible says it is more blessed to give than receive. There is something supernaturally transformative about giving. It's not just a math problem. It's not just a math problem. When, when we're up here, we pass the bucket, it isn't just about how much do we need to keep the lights on. Let's just get that in the bucket and then we're all good. The Bible shows us that there is power in generosity. There, it is a transformative thing. When you give, you are expressing thanksgiving. Deuteronomy chapter 16, 10 through 11 in the Good News Translation says, Celebrate the harvest festival to honor the Lord your God by bringing him a free will offering in proportion to the blessing he has given you. Be joyful in the Lord's presence together with your children. He says, honor the Lord your God by bringing him a free will offering. What is a free will offering? Nobody forced you. It's not like we've charged tickets at the door. In proportion to the blessing he has given you, we know the story. Jesus looked at the woman who gave a penny. Right after people had come, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees had, had come with trumpets blaring and given large sums of money that exceeded everything she'd probably ever made. And Jesus looked and said, I tell you truly, she has given more than anyone else because she gave from what, all of what little she had. And they gave from their abundance. God looks at our situation. 
And he says, give in proportion to what you have. The blessing he has given you. And when we give, it's an acknowledgement of, I'm giving you a piece of what you already gave me. I'm not, I don't even return everything you gave me. I don't know about you parents, but have you ever bought your kids some food? Like, you know, you're whatever, you're out at the fair and they want one of those $7 ice cream cones or, or something like that. And you're like, I don't want to buy myself one. I don't need a whole one, but you know, you buy them the, the big elephant ear or whatever for way too much money. And then they're munching on it and you're like, can I have a bite? Mine. I just bought that for you. Like, this is... God, when, when he gives you a piece of what you just gave him, it's, it's an expression of, well, gratitude. Well, yeah, I appreciate that you just bought me this massive elephant ear for way too much. If you want a piece, you can have some. It was yours to begin with. If someone, if your child refused to give it, what would you think? You'd think, ungrateful. Ungrateful. And rightly so. This is how God sees us. He says, I've given you all of it. It's an expression it, of offering to the Lord expressing thanks to the Lord. It said, be joyful in the Lord's presence together with your children. As we are thankful, as we give, as we sing, all of those things. As I, as I read the scripture, I'm reminded, hey, this needs to be something I do in front of my kids, with my kids, invite them to be a part. First Chronicles 29, 13 through 16 says, Now, our God, we thank you. These things did not really, this is the New Century Version. It says, These things did not really come from me and my people. Everything comes from you. We have only given you back what you gave us. Lord, we have gathered all this to build your temple, but everything has come from you and everything belongs to you. You test people's hearts and you are happy when people do what is right. I am happy to give all these things and I gave with an honest heart and your people gathered here are happy to give to you and we rejoice to see their giving. Wow. When we give, it's an act of gratitude and gratefulness for what's already been given to us when we recognize that what we have is meant to bless us and to bless others. Number four, Isaiah 12, four. And in that day you will say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. A fourth way that we are grateful and show thanksgiving is through our testimony. How many of you made it on Wednesday night to our testimony service? Did anybody, all right, here's a question. Did anybody not make it but watch it online? Anybody here? Not yet? 
All right. It's online. You can find it there. This was a great time. Every Thanksgiving, the, the night before, the Wednesday night before, we do a testimony service. And if you didn't know that, now you know that. And you can come and participate. But right here on this stage, we just we, we opened with some praise and worship. And then people just came through and shared what God has been doing in their life. And it was awesome. It was awesome to hear and see what God is doing. Our testimonies, you know, they can't be argued with. And they are an an expression of gratitude. When we say, I was this and now I'm this, and this is what happened to me. Man, that's powerful. Nobody can argue with the theological twists of that. You just say, you know what? This is what I've experienced. No one else can tell your story. I was talking to somebody this week who was telling me about his wife's situation, and I I thought it was amusingly wise of him that he, like, halfway through, he's like, "This this is more her story than mine. I can't quite say it, give it, do it justice. He was, he was sharing her testimony, but he just understood, you know what, there's something more powerful about when you share your own story. You know, you can get up here and I heard about a guy, and the, the, but, but when you say, this is what I've lived. In Acts chapter 2, we remember that, that the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples and, and the 120 that were gathered in the upper room and that they came out speaking in tongues and, and, and they went out and there were thousands of people visiting Jerusalem from all over because they had come for the holidays. And here's what it said in verse 11. The Cretans and the Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. When the Holy Spirit got a chance to say something, he gave a testimony. You and I have a chance every day to give a testimony. Deuteronomy 4, 9 says, but watch out, be very careful never to forget what you have seen God doing. For you, may his miracles have a deep and permanent effect upon your lives. Tell your children and your grandchildren about the glorious miracles he did. One of the most interesting things in the world is the human brain. How many of you have ever experienced something that you knew you'd never forget? And then you forgot it. Like, you knew, oh, this, I'll, I'll never forget. They say something, and you're like, oh, that is so amazing. I'll, I'll never forget that. And you go somewhere, and you do something, and you're like, whoa, I'll never forget this. And then you forget it until someone else brings it up. And you're like, that's right. That happened, and I was there. I forgot about that. And you're like, how? Because when it happened, I thought for sure I wouldn't forget. How many of you have ever read the Old Testament stories about the Israelites and how they would 
experience God's blessing and God's protection and God's provision and, and all of that stuff, and then they would turn around and, and worship other gods, and then they would get brought up, and you'd be like, I just read how they crossed the Jordan miraculously, and now they're doubting God in the next couple chapters, and, and you read it, and you think to yourself, I would have never done that. It says here, let's, let's go back. Deuteronomy 4, verse 9. But watch out, exclamation point. Be very careful never to forget. How careful? Very careful. Here's the thing. If we do not share... One of the, one of the things that we are, are designed is when you share something it locks better into your memory when you speak it. When you, how many of you guys ever did like the where there's a will, there's an A? Do you remember that? This was like when, when I was younger, this was like this revolutionary thing on how to study, and they got into it, and they said, look, if you read something, you won't remember it as well as if you actually say it as well. So when you're trying to memorize something and study for a test, you don't just read it. Read it out loud. Repeat the thing that you want to remember. If we look in the Old Testament, we see God telling the the Israelites, now make a pile of stones here and then have this holiday every year and every year tell your kids what happened in this place on this day and how we did this so that they will know. And it always says, so that they will know, so that they will know. Well, I mean, if you you walked through the, the Red Sea if, if you were in Egypt and the 10 plagues took place and every single one of them, you were saved from that, don't you think you're probably going to tell your kids about it? Like, do you need to be told to tell your kids about it? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. They created a holiday that to this day is celebrated by Jews everywhere. And what do they do? They retell the story. We are grateful. We, our Thanksgiving, we've lost that skill of recalling the things because we don't do it often enough. And so when, when someone says, be grateful, a lot of us are like, what for? I mean, I'm sure he did something. Let me think about that a minute. If you have to think about it for a while, it's evidence that you haven't been thinking about it for a while. Watch out. Be very careful never to forget what you have seen God doing. God has done things in our lives, every single one of us. You know I've told the story lots of times. I love telling the story about the little kid who got his kite caught in a tree. How many of you remember that story? Well, I can tell it again now. Not enough hands went up. The little boy who is out playing with his kite, he gets it caught in the tree and he yanks and he pulls and he goes every which direction and he can't climb up the tree because the top, the first, the lowest branch is too high and he can't get up there and he's, oh man. So he stops, he pauses, he kneels down, he says, God, please, would you help me get this kite down from the tree? Just then a gust of wind comes, blows his kite down. He says, never mind, God, it fell down by itself. (laughs) That's us. So many times, God is working in our lives and we don't, we don't acknowledge it. 
Remember how he worked. Psalms 116, verse 7 through 8. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of my enemies. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. I think I read the wrong, put the wrong verse in there. We'll skip to the next one. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks. In everything, for this is the will of God. And we'll just close with the story of Paul and Silas. It's Acts chapter 16, verse 22. It says, Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Okay? How many of you would consider that a bad day? Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison's door open, supposed the prisoners had fled. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out loudly and said, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all their family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into the house, he set food before them and rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Paul and Silas could have reacted negatively. They could have said, we don't have anything to praise God about. We don't have anything to be thankful to God about. But they praised. They sang. There is so much power in thanksgiving. And the result was that that man, the jailer's whole family, came to the Lord. 